1: It's football!
2: I've been watching it for 40 years! Are
1: you kidding me? You're listening to Winning Cures Everything.
2: Game day, baby. Wake up or get out. Here's your host. My confident young man. A superb athlete. Gary
1: Segers.
2: Welcome in. Winning Cures Everything. It is the Tuesday, August 30th edition of the show. I am your host, of course, Gary Segers, and you can follow me on Twitter at Gary WCE. Now you are listening to this for the first time. This is a full show podcast that is not being put as a full show on YouTube or Twitter or whatever. Uh, we'll see how that goes. If you guys want to continue to do this, but uh, but I would certainly appreciate it if you would tell everybody that you know to go ahead and subscribe to YouTube because there are going to be some clips that I post on YouTube. But also, if you would so kindly. Uh, go ahead and make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast as well. We want to get some you know, listeners over here, some exclusive stuff over here as well. So we will certainly be doing that on Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning. The show will come out about 4 a.m. Central Time on uh, Wednesday mornings. So make sure that you are tuned in for that. Uh, the show is brought to you by BetUS, it is powered by BetUS. That is where the game begins. BetUS.com is it is an incredible online sports book. They've been doing it for well over 25 years. Uh, we're getting close to three decades now. So go ahead and check it out. There is a link in the description. You can go ahead and visit over there. But BetUS.com, it is where the game begins, and they will get your sports gambling needs taken care of for sure. Now, we have got a lot to discuss Uh but a fantastic recap show on Sunday evening. Hopefully all of you enjoyed that on YouTube, etc. Uh, along with that, uh, we do have the picks, uh, the Pick'em Show, whatever you want to call it, on Thursdays. Uh, but we're going to be hitting news. We're going to be hitting all kinds of different subjects. Uh, where game day is going to go. Who is the most likely 10-plus point underdog winner. Which, by the way, hit on that last week with Northwestern. Gave you my reasons for thinking they could actually pull out an upset. And it hit. So, With that said, let's go ahead and dive into the latest, and we'll start off with this. Auburn Athletic Director Alan Green decided to resign. I guess you could say resign. Just last week, before the weekend hit. Of course, I think the news broke on Friday afternoon, uh, right about the time that Paul Feinbaum was going on the air. And it, it was not... Overly surprising. Everybody had kind of been hinting towards this for at least the last year. You know, Alan Green did get that deal done with Bruce Pearl back in February, sometime around there, whatever it was. Uh, but we'll go on and pull it up on the screen here. Uh, Feinbaum explains this rather well. He said, as somebody who has criticized Auburn a lot over the years, this was the right and necessary move. This was something that was a setup that states the obvious, that most people at Auburn don't think Brian Harson is going to make it. I'm talking administration-wise, and when that happens, why stay with a lame-duck athletic director who clearly has looked for other jobs? Go ahead and get rid of him. Here's the truth of the matter. Alan Green hired a football coach that the boosters did not want him to hire. He made what he thought was the best decision, and there were different factions of boosters that were fighting about this, right? Some of them, I believe, still wanted Kevin Steele. Some wanted to go another direction. Nobody wanted to go Brian Harson. So Alan Green's decision on a coaching hire was to bring in somebody that none of the higher-ups wanted. Now, was it a good decision football-wise? Probably. If you had not saddled him with uh, Mike Bobo, uh, with Derek Mason, which Derek Mason was their saving grace last year, really. But if you had let him do it his way from the very beginning, maybe last year would have had a different outcome. I mean, who knows? Obviously, if, if Bo Nix didn't get hurt, who knows what ends up happening. Regardless, uh, I do think that this was it was the writing on the wall. You were not going to extend him, so you continue on and, you know, go from there. So I think that that's probably the right decision. But, man, you want to talk about some crazy stuff. Uh, the Let's go on and pull up the tweets here. Former Duke AD Kevin White released a statement that, uh, that said for what it's worth, the announcement via Auburn university today is terribly disturbing to say the very least, perhaps closer to utterly shameful. The apparent political dysfunction within Auburn is truly legendary. (laughs) More specifically, this particular leadership transition unequivocally ascends Auburn to the catbird seat in terms of being tone deaf nationally, which I'm assuming he's discussing, uh, the fact that Alan green is an African American, um, But who knows? Uh, He said, of course, Allen and Christy Green and their beautiful family will undoubtedly take the high road, for Allen is among the classiest and most talented individuals in terms of emotional, intellectual, and decency uh, competence who drips with integrity while standing on a non-negotiable, high moral, and ethical platform. Allen is clearly a rock star leader within the broader college athletics landscape. Therefore, this is clearly a death blow moment as the greater enterprise of college athletics swirls via unprecedented chaos. Okay, so so let's let's look at this. Um, He worked with... Alan Green worked with Danny White, who is the new AD at Tennessee. Kevin White is his dad. So Alan Green is pretty tied into that family. Uh, He worked with Danny White at Ole Miss when all of the NCAA stuff was going on way back when, right? Uh, The Hugh Freeze whatever mess. So... Uh, Alan Green went as the deputy AD or whatever you want to call it, the associate AD under Danny White at Buffalo. And then Alan Green was the AD at Buffalo for a couple of years before he came down to Auburn. Auburn thought that they were getting a guy that was just going to do what they told him to do. That's what they've been looking for in an AD for a very, very long time. Uh, Danny White, of course, tweeted, Congratulations, A Green Four, for getting the heck out of a crazy situation for Greener Pastures. I admire how you manage that chaos with class and integrity. Looking forward to seeing your next chapter. Uh, this, again, this all had to come from stuff that Alan Green has told them. This is not a surprise that Auburn is chaotic and on fire all the time. If anybody wants to read something interesting, uh, go and Google as the planes burn. I mean, just saying, it's been going on at Auburn for a very, very long time. Everybody understands this is how it works, and Auburn is perfectly fine with it. They want somebody that's going to do what they tell them to do. Remember, this is the same program that went and hired Gene Chizik as their head coach. Gene Chizik was formerly a defensive coordinator at Auburn. He then went to Texas. He then became the Iowa State head coach and went five and nineteen in two years. And it's not like they were tracking the right direction. They went three and nine in his first season, and then two and ten the next year, and then he was hired as Auburn's head coach, and they won a national championship with him. All right, so everybody understands what the situation is. You know, Alan Green knew what he was doing when he decided to go against the people that brought him in. It is what it is. His contract expires in January, and, you know, he was not going to be renewed. So, you get out, you find, you you seek professional opportunities elsewhere while you can. I don't blame him for that at all. And in the Auburn situation, I don't think is nearly as crazy as what Kevin and Danny White are saying. I think it's just set up differently at Auburn. You know, there's no reason for them to hear a sitting... AD, especially the sitting AD at Tennessee with all the mess that's been going on over there. And I know that he's new to Knoxville. I know that he's new to the farm. But for them to come out and talk about all this publicly is kind of an embarrassment, really. Like, yeah, maybe somebody needs to say something at some point, but it's not like Alan Green didn't know what he was doing. So I, I'm not looking at this as, you know, an Auburn... Is ridiculous thing because Auburn's always been ridiculous, but they are okay with being ridiculous because every five to seven years or whatever it is, they are going to come up and have a championship winning football program and they'll be happy with it, right? They, if you don't do that, you'll end up like Gus Miles on on the way out of town. So, so we'll see what ends up happening after Alan Green leaves and and what happens with Harson this football season. But there is no safety net for Brian Harson now. I mean, this thing, there is nobody that's going to be in his corner. So you better start winning. You better come out game one and let this thing roll for sure. All right, we'll move on from there. And didn't talk about this much on the Sunday recap show, but the buyout for Scott Frost does drop on August 1st, excuse me, on October 1st, from $15 million down to $7.5 million. It is unlikely that he will continue to be the Nebraska football coach, uh, whether it's at the end of this season or in the middle of the season or whatever. He he will no longer be the Nebraska football coach at some point. So what is the next step? What do we end up doing here? Um, let's go on and pull up a, a, an interesting tweet, and this is just a random, you know, Whatever but I'm going to pull it up on the screen for those that can see it. It says, for those who asked, here's my list of potential Nebraska coaching candidates and what categories I think they fall in. For, for this guy, it said, make them say no. Dave Aranda, Lane Kiffin, Kyle Whittingham, and Chris Peterson. None of them are going to Nebraska. Uh, good and gettable, Campbell, O'Brien, Kleinman. Um, okay, Maybe. Good non-Power 5, Chadwell, Munkin, Sataki, and Leipold. Uh, yeah, I like Leipold, maybe. Uh, Sataki's not leaving BYU, especially heading into the Big 12. I mean, that's crazy. Jeff Munkin, I think that that would be a good get. But also, uh, I don't know that anybody's going to be... I don't know about the administration there and whether if they would want to go back to... Uh, running the triple, which I don't think that Munkin would do. I think Chadwell would be a good get at Coastal Carolina because it is a mix of the triple and some other really fun elements. But regardless, uh along with that second chance guys, he put Hugh Freeze, Brady Hoke, and Gus Miles on. Uh, to me, I've got I've got a couple of names here. I think Jeff Hafley at Boston College could be very interesting there. Uh Taylor at Kent State could be interesting. What you're looking for is a coach that is proven to build a culture, and you have to give him time to do it. I think the issue that we have run into with Nebraska, at least – how about this? Not even Nebraska. It is these AAC coaches that leave and get these bigger jobs, right? Uh, Because in the AAC, you are still in a G5 league where talent can overwhelm teams. So you don't have to have scheme down. You don't have to have culture down. All you have to do is get better guys than the other guys. And yes, it's like that across the college football landscape. If your guys are better than the other guys, you're probably going to win more often. But at Nebraska, you aren't always going to have better guys than the guys that are lining up across from you. They didn't even have much of an athletic advantage over Northwestern. I mean, it's the the truth. Five years in to the Scott Frost era, and they could not out-athlete Northwestern. That is an issue, right? So, uh, to me, you're looking for guys that have built something that may not, and Jeff Halfley uh, may not have built anything yet, right? Like, we think that he's got culture and all that, but, you know, he's having the same record as the guys that were fired before him, right? Tom O'Brien, good gracious. Who was the other guy? Steve Adazio, et cetera. I mean, Adazio went... Six and six or seven and five every year, and they just got tired of it. Halfley's done the same thing so far, so I, you know, I do think that Halfley is at least, uh, trajecting up. That's the way I see it. But my other one, Lance Leipold, of course, was brought up. He's at Kansas now, and he's obviously building something that's that looks fun. That looks like he's really getting them in the right place. Uh, and he certainly did it at Buffalo because Buffalo is not an easy place to win. He did the same thing at Wisconsin Whitewater. Like, he knows what he's doing, building a program. And if you give him a place with the resources like Nebraska, I think he's going to do really, really well. So now the question is can you hire Kansas's coach off of like a three and nine or a four and eight year, right? And we don't even know that they're going to get to four. But can you sell that to your fan base? I think they can. But, again, this is, do you, do you do something that you know is right, regardless of what the fans say? And Lance Leipold would be that. Now, the other one would be Mark Stoops. You let Mark Stoops go like 7-5, and 8-4, and four, something like that this year, uh, lose a quarterback, you know, he's still developing at Kentucky, etc. You know that that Iowa job is not coming open for quite some time. At, at least we think that, because it, you, may have to, you may have to pull Kirk Ferentz out of there. Like, he may just die on the job. Uh, and that'll be for quite some time. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying anything crazy. So don't anybody get started in the comments. But uh, Mark Stoops would fit at Nebraska really, really well. And if you put in some kind of a clause there where he's only got to win, you know, eight games a year or whatever it is, to get a contract, the way that he's got it set up in Kentucky, basically, if you do something along those lines to make it where it would be good for him to leave, yeah. Because the SEC East is getting more difficult. It just is. What he's been feeding on, the way that he's been developing there, etc., in Lexington, I don't know that you're going to be able to do that going forward. So he does have a head start on everybody. He is, he's is he got a good program. But I'm telling you, I think Mark Stoops would be really, really good and a foundation setter for Nebraska. So for me, I mean, my money is on Stoops, uh, Leipold, or Halfley. Those are the three. If I am a Nebraska fan, those are who I want. Now, moving on, let's stay, let's stay on Kentucky for a minute. Kentucky has announced that they're going to have—how about this? Mark Stoops said that there will be multiple players that are out for multiple games with suspensions. He has not referenced anybody specifically. Uh, we've been talking all offseason about Chris Rodriguez, et cetera. There's been rumors galore. We talked about them some. If you want to go back through the YouTube feed and search for it, then then you're more than welcome to. Uh, but this is – let's go on and pull this well, up well, I- uh, so that you can hear what Mark Stoop said here. This just cracked me up, absolutely cracked me up. I have to be very conscientious of that. Um, I expect um, – a few of them that have multiple game suspensions but I I don't I don't know I really you know I'll, I'll address it next week uh, I expect maybe uh, one of them to be back next you know next week but we'll we'll see how that goes City
1: you by which players are suspended and which ones are not on there
2: the I didn't say suspended you did uh, <laughs> they're they're unavailable to play Well and I have What? <laughs> I didn't say suspended you did he said I expect a few of them to have multiple game suspensions. Can you tell us which players are suspended? I didn't say suspended. You did. They are unavailable to play. Like, what is he talking about? Uh, And, yes, I would still, like, if I'm Nebraska, I would still want him to be my head coach because, obviously, the man knows what he's doing. Uh, But this is pretty interesting stuff with Florida on deck next week. Now, obviously, you've got Miami of Ohio in week one. Ought to be able to get through that, no problem. Next week, going down to the swamp, and I understand it's Billy Napier's first year and you're still trying to figure things out for you know, if you're Florida, et cetera. Uh, you got Florida coming off of a game against Utah, but whoo, I if I'm Kentucky, I want all hands on deck for that game in Gainesville. It is not an easy place to win, no matter what the situation is down there. I, I mean, it was years and years until Kentucky was able to get a win in Gainesville. So this is something to pay attention to, and I haven't found any news about it. But I'm, I'm curious. If there's any Kentucky fans in the, in the feed, like, toss this thing in. Let us know what is going on here, because I haven't heard, other than rumors, I haven't heard anything official. I don't know who is out, et cetera. Who should we be looking at as being out for this game and possibly the next game? And then after that, I mean, I think week three, they play another cupcake, et cetera. So we'll, we'll get to there when we get there. But either way, uh, we'll move on. Let's hit one more topic right quick. And let's let's talk about Texas. Texas, apparently, is not going to provide a depth chart. Uh, UT official says Texas football coach Steve Sarkeesian will not provide a depth chart before the season opener this week. In addition, Sarkeesian is not expected to provide a depth chart at all this season, Clearly, things could change, but that's Sarkisian's plan right now. Now, Sark said something along the lines of all of these positions are going to be fluid. He's just checking everything out. And what's funny is he's not going to provide a depth chart. And yet, at the middle of a media availability for, you know, some of these players a week ago or however long ago it was, a couple weeks ago, they went ahead and came out and in the weirdest way possible announced that Quinn Ewers was going to be QB1. He's going to be their starting quarterback, I guess, at least for week one. I mean, who knows? Uh, why on earth would you not put out a debt? Like, I don't understand what the advantage is for this. Like, <laughs> I just don't I don't fully get it. Um, but at the same time, like, if you're a fan, if you're a football fan, who cares? Like, yeah, you're going to see them line up. Like, you'll see them line up on that first play. Like, maybe this isn't great for gamblers. Uh, we all remember what Dennis Franchoni did way back when. Uh, 2007, I think it was, at Texas A&M. He had a $1,200 a person uh, subscription network or whatever where he was giving out, like, player information to, you know, Texas A&M boosters. Uh, and he was telling them not to use it for gambling and whatnot. But, it, I mean, who knows? Who knows how these guys were using it? But uh, But regardless, this is... This is just weird. When coaches do stuff like this, I feel like they are more in their heads than anybody else. Like, this is no advantage for them. I I don't don't fully understand it, and maybe you guys do. I mean, hit me up on Twitter, at GaryWCE, or jump into the comments on YouTube and tell me, what is the advantage here? Like, everybody already knows who your quarterback's going to be, but is there an advantage to not letting the opposing team know it, it, to not letting ULM know that <laughs> that you're going to be starting like three freshmen on the offensive line? Like, is is that an advantage? I have not figured this out yet, and I, I don't fully understand it. Like, it's, at the, if you're a fan, it really doesn't matter because your team is still going to be playing, and you already know who the players are. Like, you may not know who's starting, but you're going to see early on who's playing the most. So, I mean, you will figure it out, but I, I have not fully grasped exactly what Steve Sarkisian is trying to accomplish with this and sometimes those head games that coaches play are more with themselves than they are with the opposing team just saying all right let's hit some of these and we'll talk uh, we'll talk a few more things on the backside let's check out some things you should know about
1: Visit winningcureseverything.com to find everything you need to know about us, including full shows in video or
2: podcast form, gambling picks, merch, the gear we use, and more. If you want more content from me, Gary, visit betustv.com. I host the How to Gamble on Sports Show and, from August through January, the BetUS College Football Show. You can subscribe to both on YouTube. And now, back to the show. All right, the top five most valuable college football players of Week Zero. Now, we'll be doing this each and every week, but just to give you an idea of who exactly has been the most valuable from a predicted points added metric, right? Uh, We'll go ahead and pull this thing up here. It's from College Football Data, by the way, in case you are interested. And, yes, they do have some FCS guys in here. Those will fall off as we go further down the season. But right now, uh, we'll go ahead and jump into – the FBS ones, and we'll be quick with this. We don't want to spend too much time on it. Uh, Western Kentucky has the top two. Uh, You've got Daywood Davis from WKU, uh, 2.05 predicted points per play on average. Uh, Along with that, you have Malachi Corley, who had five receptions. He's 1.756 predicted points added per play. Uh, You had UTEP with the next two. Tyron Smith, the wide receiver, uh, 1.736. And then Ronaldo Flores, who's a running back slash wide receiver, uh, he's 1.472 per play. And then after that, you've got the Nebraska tight end, right? Travis Vokalek, he's a a tight end for Nebraska. I think he had like five receptions. But for him, it's 1.339 predicted points added per play. After that, uh, you've got two other ones. Uh, Let's add just one more. Just one more. Uh, Brian Cobbs, the new wide receiver from Maryland that transferred over to Utah State, uh, 1.115 predicted points added per play and then you've got josh downs who's just under one uh 0.954 uh for north carolina he's he's going to get a ton of usage this year so i would expect a lot out of him as well uh gonna be interesting to follow along uh, just a week by week basis and then overall on the season you know you had guys like jacob cowing that were you know top five top 10 last season uh we're gonna see some interesting stuff Interesting stuff, especially if you are a college football fantasy player. That's something to pay attention to, for sure. All right, top five most watched college football games of the week. And there's really only one to discuss. Uh, We'll go ahead and pull this up from last week, but the numbers just came in. Ratings jump for Nebraska Northwestern in Dublin. It says, after being called off the past two years, college football's return to Dublin delivered a solid Week 0 audience for Fox. Fox. Saturday's Nebraska-Northwestern college football game from Dublin, Ireland, averaged a 2.5 rating and 4.42 million viewers on Fox. Now, that's up 32% in ratings, 35% viewership from Nebraska-Illinois last year. Uh, And you want to talk about a boring game last year. This one at least had some interesting stuff. Uh, It says that none of the other games on Nielsen-rated television cracked even 600,000. There were not many options because most of your stuff was on CBS Sports Network, Stadium... Um, ESPNU, ACC Network, whatever. I think, like, ESPN2 had uh, Nevada and New Mexico State, and that probably did a better number in Week 0 than it will in Week 1, right? Like, neither of those teams are are going to be watchable, really. Uh, So, last year, you know, 3.27 million viewers for Illinois and Nebraska. This year, it's 4.42 million. And, obviously, tossing it in Ireland added maybe a little bit to it, but... Definitely, definitely a lot of fun there. Uh, Let's hit on a couple more news topics. Now, each week in this spot, I'm going to be giving out NFL picks, and and we'll roll through them quickly. Uh, But a lot of people enjoyed that last year. I hit uh, 58% on my picks against the spread uh, through the NFL season, and all I'm doing is giving out my five Super Contest picks. So I just run a bunch of metrics you know, run it through the computer, knock it out. I'll be giving out picks as we go along in the NFL season. Uh, just, just a quick little thing here on the podcast, and maybe toss it up on the YouTube channel. But we shall see. Uh, let's talk about Sam Pittman, right quick. And Pittman, interesting stuff coming out of his press conference yesterday. Uh, Let yeah, let's let's just let's just listen to it um, because he's he's so entertaining. Uh, the, 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 uh, quarterbacks that up. might
1: who knows they've got two separate quarterbacks that might who knows who's <laughs> going to play you know and not positive who the running back's going to be yet uh, so Barry's but we do know and they got a new coordinator so you're you know you don't know exactly what they're going to do but um, I think uh, we've got enough defense in that we can attack whatever we see, you know, I think the first couple series are going to be really important to figure out kind of, you know, what they're bringing to the party, you know, some guys bring iced tea and some guys bring liquor and you just got to figure out what they're bringing. You, I mean, hey, go, go into, go into two minute offense and you'll figure out what kind of party you're going to on the first play they come after you're going home okay this is what kind of party it's going to be or they'll drop eight and you got to dink and dunk and get down in there so the first two series on both sides of the ball will be a big big thing on Saturday in my opinion and how fast our coaches make adjustments and how fast theirs does
2: you want to talk about entertaining Sam Pittman is so phenomenal (laughs) I mean just just so good I have so much fun listening to him talk, um, but he—he's not wrong. Like we're trying to figure out exactly what Cincinnati is. They lost nine guys to the draft. We talked about it on the Bet US College Football Show, by the way, uh, on Tuesday, which by the way shows on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at one p.m. Eastern Time. So make sure that you are subscribed over there. We're getting ever closer to five thousand. That's our goal for the season. And yet, it's taken off over the summer. So, uh, definitely go subscribe and watch the shows over there. But we talked about it. I mean, Cincinnati lost a lot, but also fickle the way that that culture has been developed there at Cincinnati. I mean, it's awesome. It is definitely awesome. Um, we'll move on. Let's hit on this one. Reese Davis uh, said, "College Game Day will not ignore the Big Ten in the future." And let me write my time down on this one. I found this interesting right? They, they let Reese Davis talk about it on his podcast. He said, whether it's the big 10 or the sec or the ACC or wherever it is, I don't see us shying away from going to the big 10 venue. If that's the biggest one, this is interesting that he announced it on his podcast. Um, now he did, he did jump on the Paul Feinbaum show and answered the question as well. It's just interesting that this is where they would come out and say this, um, Davis did note that this is in the short term. He doesn't see the show being stationary in terms of location, but you'll never know. Uh, he said, our intention is to continue on the model that is built game day, and that is we will be where the best story is every week, whether that's the Big Ten or the SEC, et cetera, um, et cetera, et cetera. Right? We just talked about that. I I look at it, and he said, I, I don't know. Now, Davis said this. Uh, who is this? Davis. Oh, Reese Davis. Duh. Uh, I don't know if four or five years down the road that it becomes much more like the NFL model. And I realize that those studio shows don't go on the road very often, but even when they do, you wouldn't see the network that broadcasts the AFC being at an NFC game. I don't think that will happen in the foreseeable future. Uh, He said, Davis ultimately said the goal is for the show to try to go to the best story, the best scene, the best venue for the show every week. And I don't disagree, right? We've got different networks to be able to go to different games. We've got the SEC network. We got the Big Ten network. The SEC network does SEC Nation every Saturday morning from a different SEC venue, and you're not even going to the biggest games in the conference. You're just trying to hit every conference member for whatever one of the like one of the big games is, right? Like you could have Alabama, Kentucky, which is not going to be a huge game, but you haven't been to Lexington yet, so you know, like they they do this so that you can get around to all these different places. With game day, I mean, you have to go and hit whatever the biggest story is. You have to get out there and knock those out. So, eh, it's, uh, it's an interesting conundrum. But I found it very strange that they let Reese Davis just come out and talk about it, right? Like he's, he's not the producer, so it's not like he would exactly know the answer. But he is involved heavily. Obviously, he's the host of the show. I, I'm curious if this holds up. I want to see what happens. Absolutely. All right, let's hit a couple more ads and then we will do our college football viewing guide on the backside. Let's check out some things you should know about. Follow the show on Twitter at Winning Cures and you can follow Gary at GaryWCE. You can also follow on Facebook. Got your own podcast or web show? Looking to start one? Or you're just curious how we look and sound so good? Well, we've got all the gear that we use listed on our gear page on the website. If you order using our links, you'll be supporting the show, too. Subscribe on YouTube
1: to get not only full Winning Cures Everything shows, but individual segments and other goodies as well. We're over 6,000 subscribers, and our goal by the end of the year is
2: 7,500. If you're interested in advertising on a show that reaches over 80,000 unique football fans per month during the season, send an email to gary at Everything.com and we'll put together a plan that best fits you or your business. And now... Back to the show. All right. Let's move into the college football viewing guide. uh, Appointment viewing, as I call it. For week number one, I'm just going to let you know what games I'm going to have on my TVs. (laughs) I think that's the best way to do it. I've got four televisions in my man cave where I watch football every Saturday. Uh, So we're going to make it very, very simple here. Um, Let's go ahead and move this over. Which, by the way, interesting tool. I've said interesting about a thousand times today. How about this? Really, really useful tool over at cfb.guide in your web browser. You can set the games that you want. It'll tell you what channel, et cetera, et cetera. It's got all of them. So go ahead and check that out over there, cfb.guide. I probably need to get these guys on the show that actually put this thing together. Really, really cool stuff. So, on Thursday night, I'm going to be watching the Backyard Brawl. And I'm going to be watching Penn State at Purdue. You can see it up here at the top there. Uh, but I think those are the two biggest ones. I'm going to have them on both of the TVs, ESPN and Fox. Uh, and then after that, I mean, there are more games, uh, which I will click over to here in just a little bit. But I'm, I'm most interested in those, right? I want to see what West Virginia looks like with JT Daniels. I want to see Pitt with Keaton Slovis. I want to see Penn State going into a hostile environment for sure. On Friday night... I'm going to watch Illinois at Indiana. Again, I've got more questions than answers about both of those teams, even after watching Illinois play last week. And then on ESPN, you've got TCU heading to Colorado. Uh, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. That's a 9 p.m. Central kick, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I hope, I hope I'm hope i right on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a 9 p.m. Eastern time. Um, excuse me. 9 p.m. Central time. I probably should have double-checked this. <laughs> Unbelievable! All right, so we will move on. No, no, it is central. Okay, I've I've got this figured out now. All right, moving on to Saturday here, Uh, the 11 a.m. spot, 11 a.m. Central, God's time zone, by the way. I am going to roll with NC State at East Carolina on the main screen, and then I'm going to put North Carolina at App State on one of the secondary screens. Um, I think it's going to be awesome. Like both of those are great games in the state of North Carolina. It really, really fun. Moving into that 2.30 slot, this is where it gets a little bit tricky, right? Luckily, I have four televisions. Oregon at Georgia on ABC, Arizona at San Diego State on CBS, Cincy at Arkansas on ESPN, and then you've got Houston at UTSA on CBS Sports Network. These are all phenomenal games that I would probably have in a standalone spot. Uh, I got to see what's going on with Georgia and Oregon. Well, you know, Dan Lanning, of course, going back over. Arizona at San Diego State. People think I'm crazy for thinking that Arizona can win that game. Uh, but I think they can be really, really explosive. Uh, of course, this is a Mountain West game that's going to be on CBS. Potential Pac-12, you know, future member in San Diego State. Yeah, we'll see. Currently Mountain West uh, contender. Yeah, but they're opening their brand-new stadium at Snapdragon Stadium there uh, in San Diego. So Cincinnati at Arkansas. That one should be a lot of fun. We just talked about Sam Pittman, et cetera. That one's gonna be cool. And Houston at UTSA, again, like this is the gear that they've kind of been building towards with Dana Holgerson at Houston. This is a, a fun, a fun ball game because Jeff Traylor has taught those boys at UTSA how to win ball games and they are returning a ridiculous amount of production. I want to say it's something crazy, like eighty four percent of their production is coming back off of a twelve and one regular season, uh CUSA championship, et cetera. Uh crazy. All right, 6 p.m., you've got Army at Coastal on ESPN+. Plus, and you've got Utah at Florida on ESPN. Those are both going to be awesome. But then 30 minutes later is when it starts to get crazy. I've got five games that are all going on at the same time that I want to watch. Georgia State at South Carolina that's on ESPN+. Plus, at, right alongside with Army and Coastal Carolina. Memphis at Mississippi State is on ESPNU. I just want to see, because Mike Leach is still fired up about the fact that... that that punt return was not called down uh, from last year. They, that probably cost them the ball game. So that one I think is going to be a lot of fun. And then of course the main screen we're going to have Notre Dame at Ohio State on that one uh, because I got to watch them. I just I got to I got to see what's going on with those name brands now. Ohio State could get up by like twenty one, and I might flip them around, but we'll see. And then finally the late night window. I am excited to see Boise State at Oregon State. Uh, it's nine thirty p.m. Eastern time. Excuse me, nine thirty p.m. Central time. Uh, that one's going to be on ESPN. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Just a whole hell of a lot of fun. I am excited uh, about this entire slate. But you see on the screen, I mean, it is just absurd. The amount of games that are going on that I am interested in watching. Uh, Florida State at LSU is on Sunday. And then on Monday, you've got Clemson at Georgia Tech. Like, this is this is going to be awesome. Uh, I mean, football just all day long. Here we go. So I've pulled it up to show you exactly how this thing is broken down and once you sign into this screen you can actually see over at cfb.guide uh they are I mean they got this thing lined up to where you can select the games that are your favorites etc uh, which by the way on Friday there are a few more interesting games right Virginia Tech at Old Dominion Western Michigan at Michigan State Temple and Duke you probably want to check that out uh those are all going to be interesting And then, of course, there's more on Saturday. Fox, the only game that they're showing all day on Saturday on Big Fox is UTEP at Oklahoma. Uh, Just, you know, not super interesting to me, but regardless, BYU is going to South Florida. Can Jeff Scott figure things out with Jerry Bohannon, the uh, the quarterback there that transferred over from Baylor? Uh, You know, BYU, I'm real, real high on this year, so I'm hoping they get that one. Troy at Ole Miss, that's going to be interesting. SMU heading to North Texas for a night game. You know, traveling to Denton ain't that easy. Uh, might be for SMU coming from Dallas, since that's about a thirty-minute drive. But regardless, South Dakota State at Iowa, Again, there's all kind of there's all kind of games going on. The Pac-12 Network, Longhorn Network, uh, etc. So Western Kentucky, by the way, that's on uh, let's see, Spectrum, uh, yeah, Spectrum pay per view, I think, is at Western Kentucky at Hawaii. You're not going to be able to easily watch some of those for sure. But yeah, ESPN Plus, you know, Florida Atlantic going to Ohio. I mean, it just the whole the whole weekend's going to be loaded, absolutely loaded. So, all right, we're going to get out of here. Oh, interesting one there, Liberty at Southern Miss. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what Will Hall's doing in year two there uh, at Southern Miss. By the way, yeah, Hugh Freeze, I know what he's doing. It got Charlie Brewer as the is uh, the new uh, the, the new quarterback. Excuse me. All right, let's go ahead and get out of here, you guys. You guys have been awesome. I certainly appreciate you all for watching the show, for listening to the show, et cetera. Share it out. Tell your friends. If you're watching any of these clips on YouTube, uh, make sure that you like the video and that you are subscribed to the channel. Now, with that said, let's go ahead and get out of here. You guys take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And hopefully, hopefully, all of you tickets cash this week.